Today on Rolling with New York Mike. Most people aren't doing better. Most people are doing worse. Something that should humble us and make us think and be grateful. And instead, I, I look around in America today. We say these generations, not generation, it's generation of America who feel entitled. Entitled to what? Welcome to Rolling with the most patriotic man I know, my husband. And now, his podcast, Rolling with New York Mike. Get on the ride. Hey, everybody. It's Rolling with New York Mike. Man, has time gone by. Now, I, I, I haven't podcasted a lot. It's so crazy. Thanksgiving was amazing. Was everybody, I hope everybody, I hope, I hope everybody had a great th- Thanksgiving because I know there are circumstances that people have to go through that make them feel angry, why me, God kind of moments. And we've all gone through them in all our lives. But in America, it's, it's, I, I get it. I really do get it. I've seen, you know, tragic things and tragedies and horrible situations. But 99% of us, we go through these incredible lives here in America. I don't, do we appreciate it? Imagine what the people in Ukraine are going through. Yeah, I know, I know. We're here. We're not the the Uyghurs in China. We're, we're not going through all this. We, I, I get it. But do we appreciate the lives that we have? I, I just... I just don't know with all the discontent that goes on when people go to a football game and they got to deal with this Colin Kaepernick, a, a privileged human being <laughs> like almost no other. And he says he won't stand for the national anthem. I go, I look at stuff like that and I, I, I'm, I'm amazed right here in America. And you go, oh, yeah, well, why would you know? You're a white guy. You got all that privilege and you got this and you got that. I'm tired of listening to this crap. I'm tired of people telling me that because I'm white, somehow I have something that other people don't have because they're black. I look at people, like I just said, in the Ukraine, what they're going through in, the, in other parts of the world. Look at look at places in Africa. Do we say that the African people who are going through the hell of, I, I remember the the days of Uganda with the Idi Amin and, and all the other atrocities that happened is that no one ever says, well, it's because they're black. And, and, and I, I, I look at it and go, is it is the Ukrainians going to hell because they're white? What happens when they come to America? <laughs> all of a sudden they become black people going to or white. I mean, enough of this. We're either all Americans or we're not. And we've got to get to that point where we are one nation under God, indivisible, and with liberty and justice for all. What does that mean? We take the best of what we can expect in life, and we have to accept that there's going to be, there's going to be moments when things are going to happen to you that you didn't deserve something that was so terrible or horrible or so bad. And that, you know, I love Trump. I really do. I think he was a great president. I mean, I mean, I, I can't even begin. I don't want to start defending him and I don't want to start promoting him. And I want to. But I got to tell you, I the way he took the loss of that election was not good. And I, I, I think he's talking less about it being stolen and less. About, but when I look at it and I go, wait a minute, that, I want a leader. A leader leads all the time. He was a great leader as president. And, I, and I'm going to, I'm telling you right now, I, anything I say doesn't take away from the fact that as of right now, I'm voting for Donald Trump for president in 224. Now, th- things change. Things can happen. I'm out there. I'm looking at everything just like you and everybody else is. And no, don't throw out names. I don't want to hear the Ron DeSantis thing and all the rest. No, forget about it. Forget about it. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's Thanksgiving, okay? Let's let's be thankful for what we have and where things are, and not do all the speculation. Oh, we're going to turn it over right now. We're going to we're going to walk away. No, but let's let's be honest in our criticism and understand that there are some things that aren't perfect in this world, and and things that happen to us that did my friend Bob deserve to get COVID and die? 
There's a guy I miss every day. There's a guy whose family misses him every day. That shouldn't happen. It shouldn't happen to thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people. The tragedies. When I was a kid, watching kids get polio, they, they didn't just, what did they do wrong to, to do that? What did my partner, Ronnie Roy, do wrong to get cancer at 37 years old, die at 39? I mean, I, this happens and you go through life and you see these kind of tragedies all the time. Kids dying of leukemia. I remember when my kids were small, there was a classmate they had, a little girl that lived around the corner from us who had leukemia. And the progression of that disease as they went through the, what, sixth grade or something. And then she passed. It's tragedy. But you learn that these things happen. And that you don't willingly accept it. You defend against it every moment you can. But at some point in life, you just, you've got to accept these things. That That's one of the reasons why when I, when I look at some of these things, we talk about the stealing the, the, the elections and ballot harvesting. These, these aren't good things. But is there is there perfection in anything? And it's why I say all these all these other things, the things we if we can't learn from these things, how are we supposed to react when tragedy hits our friends, our family, then ourselves? How are we? We're always uncomfortable when it's others, and then we panic when it's us. And if we can't learn from life, how to? I mean, it's again, you're always going to be uncomfortable. When, when you meet you meet with your friends who have gone through tragedies. But you know, you've got to support them. There's a 100,000 people in this country are dying of fentanyl overdoses, okay? Or poisoning, whatever you want to call it. And the majority of those people are young. How many people do we know whose kids, young relatives, nephews, whatever, have died from fentanyl overdoses, drug overdoses overall? How do you deal with your friends and family who are suffering through that? You're always uncomfortable, but you know that it's important for you to support them. As uncomfortable as it is going to funerals, visiting hospitals, it's horrible, but that's what we do. I remember I'm, I'm driving on the Cross Island Parkway and I hear about a teacher. Oh, I, I think it was a teacher, could have been a principal of some school in the Bronx and he was killed by a student. And it was a particularly tragic situation. And I'm listening to this on the news for about a day. You know how these things go. It's a day, day and a half, two days, and then boom, it's gone. But I was driving on the Cross Island Parkway in New York, going from Kennedy Airport to the Whitestone Bridge or someplace. And they, they mentioned that this school teacher was so young, like some guy in his 30s or the wife and little kids. And, and it, it just hit me. And they, they said that this funeral is going to be in Staten Island. And I went there. I went there. I, 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 I didn't know him from Adam, but I just felt something. And I, and I felt like I had to be a part of the support group for these people. This was such a tragic event. This guy sounded like such a great guy. Now, of course, it's 40 years ago, but still. I remember going there and walking to the casket and you do all this. I signed in and I did all that. I, I didn't know who these people were and I still don't know. But sometimes you do that. You do it for strangers. I mean, how many Patriot Guard missions have I been on? I'm so proud of all these guys that go on Patriot Guard missions, all this. My friend Steve Crouch and so many others. And it's great. I don't. I, I should do more. But the ones that I do go on, it, it makes you feel so good. And you learn how important it is to be part of that Patriot Guard motorcycle group that's going in support of some soldier or some veteran who passes. And the family and how much it means to you. Not only a family, but, but that soldier's, his fellow soldiers, sailors, airmen, marines, everything. I mean... It's part of what we do. We we have to learn. This is how we handle loss. It's never easy. It's never comfortable. It's never, you never do the right thing. So, by the way, it, it, yes, do, do we learn from these things in life? Should we be learning from these things in life? Clearly we should. 
clearly we should we should understand that loss is part of life. Loss is part of the whole process of living and going through and get. It's so there's so much to be thankful for. So do do, do we have a day of um, whatever of mourning or of of venting for all the horrible things we do it all the time so we we have thanksgiving let's understand life isn't easy but it's not just about you it's not just about me it's about us in 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 the midst of this thing that we call living being alive and you look around and you understand it's not easy. Is it supposed to be easy? No, it's really not. You got to breathe. You got to stay stay clean and, and healthy. It's up to you. You have a responsibility to yourself. You have to eat. We talk about three meals a day. You got to drink water. You got to provide. You got to, these are things you got to do. It's not done by... We talk about God, oh God, this and God, that. God's going to provide us. Pray to God and we'll get everything. No. God helps those who help themselves. And that, that doesn't mean that you're going to win the lottery if you play, pray really, 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 really hard. No. No. It means there's hope out there and that you're not alone and all those other good things that we talk about. But it, it also means that you, you, you got to be aware that life, We've got to work and struggle and get through. And some people struggle so much harder than others. And you've got to be grateful and thankful for whatever it is you have, that your loved ones have, your children, your parents. Your, these are things. You take those moments and you take this holiday and you just don't compare what you have to what other people may have more of. With a bigger house, more cars, more money, more... Than, no, 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 no. You'd be grateful that you're not suffering because most people in the world, trust me, are suffering worse than you. They're suffering more than we are. That's it's just a fact. Most people aren't doing better. Most people are doing worse. Yeah, that's a good place to be, but it's also something that should humble us and make us think and be grateful. And instead, I, I look around in America today, we say these generations, not generation, it's generations of America who feel entitled, entitled to what? You think it's your right? Because we always talk about the Bill of Rights and our rights, our rights, we are endowed by these certain inalienable rights, by endowed by our creator. And okay, great. But that doesn't mean that you're not going to wake up in the morning and find that you have, I don't know, some form of cancer. I've been through it. I've seen friends all around me go through it. Some haven't made it. We all have. We've all been there. So when are we going to understand and learn? When are we going to understand the importance of grace? The, the importance of accepting the tragedies in life and what our role is, and it's always going to be uncomfortable. And one of the reasons why I look at, we're so absorbed with sports. We're so absorbed with watching TV and watching football and baseball. And now the World Cup. Oh, I'm excited about the World Cup today. Yeah, I really want to see it. Am I, am I a soccer guy? I don't even know the rules of soccer. Well, it's a, it is a great sport. you got to admit it. And it took, took me a long time to accept that. I think if I understood that back 50 years ago. <laughs> I, I mean, my friends always, when, when I moved out from, out of Brooklyn and I, I started playing real high school football, and, and my friends thought I'd be much more of a lacrosse player. Oh, it's a great sport. Oh, man, it's a real sport. sport. And I, I don't even think they brought up soccer. <laughs> I, mean, I remember them pushing me to play lacrosse. and But I don't think we understood soccer. Nor do, do I. I think America does. My grandkids, I mean, you know, my, my daughter Heather was playing soccer when she was a little girl. Did I understand the game? <laughs> no, I didn't. But today, the World Cup, I'm excited about it obviously excited about the world series i love the world series 
That's because of New York and the Yankees usually win. <laughs> I know that upsets some people. But that's the way it is. <laughs> so, yeah, in my mind, it was. Because when I was a kid, the Yankees always won. It's It's been quite a while. But they still won more World Series than anybody else. Okay, I get, I'm getting off the track. The point is, when I was a kid, you watched a baseball game, and there was a bad call. There'd be a lot of boos, but that was it. The audience, we'd everybody go, boo, <laughs> throw the bums out, kill the umpire, blah, 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 blah. But that was it. Now, everything's perfect. Now, you know, it used to be the first baseman, if he didn't get the ball, because the umpire, if you don't know this, Trust me, in America, a lot of people, you can watch baseball every day of your life. A lot of people go, oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> the umpire listens for that ball to hit the glove on the first baseman. So you watch, and he's got to watch to see how many close. Baseball is a, gla- a game of inches. Such a great sport. Such a great game. <laughs> so these great elements of, 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 of so many things. But it's also, anyway, I'm not going to, I don't want to get so far off in a tangent, but this is important to me. The, the umpire listens for the ball to hit the glove. So back in the day, what did the first baseman do? They'd pound their fist in the glove before the ball came, so the umpire would call the guy out. And how many times was that effective? Of course it was effective. A lot of times. And, and uh, you know, is it cheating? Is it <laughs> There's so many different ways. And, uh, today, you watch the pitcher and the catcher, and, and they, you know, the signals, and they, they, they kind of talk to each other, lip sync, whatever, but they always hold their glove up. Why? Because the other team is trying to learn their signals. They want to cheat. Remember when the Astros are caught cheating? Why? Because they were watching the other team on TV, whatever they were doing. This is... This goes on all the time. But in today's world, anything that's, you know, that approaches that moment. Look, I've always said, and I try to make my kids understand this. And maybe I understood a little bit too much. But sports are a metaphor for life. As kids, okay, professional sports, maybe that's a little different. And so you want to argue for the replays because there's billions of dollars in bets on the line. I get it. I get it. I'm not here preaching that I'm right. I'm just, you know, trying to make us understand how we got to where we are, where we have these expectations that everything has to be right. I, I, I don't think that's a healthy place to be, but it is. It's where we are. You know, you want to see the replay. You want to hear what the ump said. You want it to be perfect. If they miss, a, you know, something, that it, 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 it is. There's, there is <laughs> millions millions and millions of dollars online so it's it's a lot more today than it than it was there's no question about it and you you can't argue that that's not the case it is the case and my philosophical kind of a view about you know the metaphoric aspect of sports being be that as it may if you got money on the line and somebody's cheating or the umpire missed the call or the umpire may be in on the cheating, but so you want everything to be. I get it, but it, but it also gives us this false sense that everything has to be just totally perfect. Otherwise, you know, the world's the the world's not in the right order. <laughs> Everything's out of line, and you're limping, and the world is living, and you you're off kilter, and it's it's. But that's not the way it really is. That's not the way the life is. Life. Life throws you curveballs, as they say, but they're more than curveballs, and it throws them all the time. And Donald Trump got a curveball, and he swung and missed, and he didn't handle it right. Now, let's just accept that fact. Now, is he still a leader? Well, let's see. You know, winning isn't about, you know, knocking the other guy out. It's about you getting knocked down and getting back up. That's what winning is all about. Not, you know, you're going to get knocked down once in a while. It's going to happen. It happens to everybody. But, you know, how, how fast can you get back up? And after you get back up, you know, grace under pressure. Never letting them see you sweat. Well, sometimes they're going to see you sweat. <laughs> but you got to handle it. And Donald Trump didn't handle that real well. Just didn't. And that's okay. Now, is he getting back on track? The night that he made that speech 
announcing that he was going to run for president in 2024, it was only, what, a week or two ago, he did a great job. He got up there, talked for quite a while, and I didn't hear him talk about losing, you know, getting cheated or, you know, whatever, the steal, they stole the, I didn't hear it. He was a leader. Well, he's, you know, he's perfectly capable of putting behind him what needs to be put behind him. Moving on. Not that he he wasn't cheated. He was. We were. The country was. And we pay a big price. We are paying a big price. We're all paying a big price. Is it a bigger price than Donald Trump is paying? Yeah, it actually is. Donald Trump got knocked off his throne. He's, you know, wasn't the president. It took It's a big hit. It's a big hit in so many ways. In actual fact, also in ego, also in, I mean, in so many ways. It's hard. Hard to accept that you did the job you did. Amazing job as president. That you saw the election that, oh, this is going to be big. I'm going to win big. It looked, it looked that way. Yeah, we thought we'd have a red wave. It didn't come. Is it all about cheating? I don't know. But unless we accept we've got to deal with it. Not after the fact. As much as I like Carrie Lake, it's great. And she did deal with it before the fact. She had Harmy Dillon right by her side from, you know, early on saying, we got to, you know, keep, keep our eye on this. We have to see that, that this election isn't, you know, that they don't cheat us. That the election isn't so. We have to learn from what happened to Donald Trump. And it went through the whole thing. And, and she lost. And... It looks like she's going to totally lose it anyway, even with the precautions that she took. I mean, that's just the way it is. How do you deal with that? Look, I am not here saying that you got to accept these things as, well, it's just part of life. No. At the same time, yes, it is part of life. So you don't just willingly go along with it. You do what? Carrie Lake did. You bring in Harmy Dillon's early on. But you also got to get together. It's a team sport. It always was and it always will be. You got to get together and say, how are we going to handle ballot harvesting and all the other things? You know, how are we going to handle that the other team is is getting our signals? How are we going to handle that? What are we going to do about it? We all, we, we all have to do this together. It's in the best interest of the country, but we need leaders we need leaders to we need leaders to, to to bring these things to the surface and get people to accept new ideas and reject others and show us the difference between what's good, what's bad, what what's acceptable and what's not. That's what leaders need to do. So you know, am I am I saying that they shouldn't have these replays? I don't know. I, I I call it flag football now because it's all about it's all about the flags. It's it's all about the penalties. It's it seems like that. But again, you know, things happen fast out there on the field, any field, whether it's you know football, baseball, soccer. Um, it happens very quickly, and sometimes the refs miss something, and it's okay to replay it. It's okay to you know to try to get it right, but at the same time. You have to learn that accepting the loss, accepting the bad call, accepting, you know, the what, whatever that is, is a part of it, too. And you need to learn from all of these things. And it, did Donald Trump learn? Well, if he didn't, he's not going to get reelected. But if he did, it's not too late. It's two years before the mast. <laughs> it's, it's two years before the election. And, and, you know, he's got a, he's probably got another year to figure this out. And I think he will. I hope he does. But whether or not whoever steps up and, I, and you know, speculating, it's, it's okay. It's okay, you know, that we identify all those people that have, you know, all the qualities on both sides. And it's okay. But, you know, how many times am I going to have to hear the Fox News people, you know, get out there and say, oh, yeah, they don't want Biden to run. His own people don't want him to run. The Democrats don't want I, I mean, come on. You know, it's it's going to change every day, and I really don't care. That's the other side. Yes, 
I want to know. Yeah, but I, I'm, I'm not obsessed with it. <laughs> Whether he runs or he doesn't run, he's a horrible president. He's a horrible, he's, he's not a leader at all. At the same time, he's the president. How'd he get there? Did he cheat, you know? Did he pound his glove before the, you know, after the, after the runner touched the base? <laughs> and the umpire went, he's out! <laughs> the guy was safe. <laughs> did he, did he, whatever he did, he's president. He did it, accept it. But also, let the other side know the damage that he's doing as president. The damage they're doing by not only having elected him, but by keeping him there. This country's in big trouble the way we are. But we also have a lot to be thankful for. Look, I hope everyone had a terrific Thanksgiving. I, I and, and we definitely have so much to be thankful for. And yes... Even in the face of this feckless government, you know, we've said it before, compromise is generational. It, it, compromise doesn't mean that you cave in on your principles. You're not asking, you know, the Democrats or the Republicans, okay, okay, compromise, let's get together. I, I hear that all the time as if it's, it's, it's going to be a good thing if the Republicans say, okay, let's compromise on the Second Amendment. You guys don't want, um, you know, uh, what do you call it, machine guns, whatever it is, you know, assault rifles. Okay, let's let's see if we can work this out. We'll do, no, 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 no. That's not what you do. It's not what you do. You fight. You fight with everything you have. But you're gonna you're gonna win or lose an election. It's just it's just what's gonna happen. It's generational. It happens. You know, you, you're gonna lose. The majority, you're going to win the majority. You're going to get your way, you're going to lose your It's going to happen. So when you're there, while you're there, fight like hell. And at the same time, while you're fighting like hell, when they say walk and chew gum at the same time, it's not as easy in real life to fight like hell for everything you want and also temper that fight so you get reelected. How do you do that? That's where the compromise comes in. Your compromise. Are you going to compromise your values and your principles because you want to get reelected? Because you've got to have people on the other side? These are the questions. And I, 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 we, you know, you, you, we've seen some elections where people will not compromise their principles and it costs them an election. And then you never hear from them again. And you go, sure, well, maybe you shouldn't have compromised. But you know what? Those are heroes too. <laughs> you, it's just the way you got to accept in life. And sometimes you got to make those decisions. You know, it, it's it, a compromise doesn't mean you get on your knees and beg the other side or you meet them, quote unquote, halfway. It means you fight as hard as you can for the people who elected you, who believed in the things that you told them. You sold them on your ability to represent them. And yes, you want to get reelected. And yes, you want, you know, it, 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 it's, I, I, I just don't believe in caving in to get, just to get something you want. Sometimes you have to, but you got to make that decision. So you've got to fight like hell, and then you got to deal with the consequences of democracy. Sometimes the other side has more votes, and they'll probably win. But winning the vote isn't always, it's not always what it seems. You've also got to be prepared for that win. Perfect examples are the Democrats. They got the open borders. They wanted open borders. They've been fighting for this for generations, literally. But the crisis that has come with, it, listen, I, I'm not sure whether they anticipated what was going to come, but they should have, right? You would think. Or if, 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 or if, if it was, if, if it was anticipated, really, they said, yeah, this is what's coming. Man, that, that says a lot about their party and its politics. I mean, think about it. Did the Democrats expect this at the point? It seems like they, they have, doesn't it? Of course, they're seeing that there's, there is no, look at this Mayorkas guy. No, we're in control of the border. That's his words. We're in control of the border. Well, if they are, if this is what they call control, millions coming in, death coming across the border, drugs and fentanyl, the cartels, 
empowered like never before and I'm, I'm just horrible is this what they expected is was this part of their plan because if it was it really does tell you something about the democrats and why aren't we taking that position as republicans or conservatives or whatever the opposition the opposition <laughs> they they call themselves the resistance right when trump got in they were the resist we resist this i don't know what they're resisting you know what they should be resisting is the lies of the media about what trump said at charlottesville because that's where it's all so yeah he said stuff about you know the people coming across mexico they don't send us their best they send us their i got it okay so that's where it started but then charlottesville where they said he said you know they have good guys on their side it's not what he said see they're lying to you the press is lying and you're too lazy to go to google and look up his words at charlottesville which were perfect in his <laughs> in his vernacular yeah they were it was perfect but when you look at the border crisis, if you don't call it the crisis, you think this is what you want, then there is something wrong. There's something wrong with you, man. So I don't think that's what the Democrats, but maybe I'm wrong. I, I, I just don't know. They were unprepared for what they wanted. They want this border to be what it is. And then they look at it and go, oh, it's out of control. It's horrible. Oh, we weren't prepared for that. That's Let's just take it that way. Because when I think about it, this is what they were prepared for. That's pretty tragic. And on the other hand, the Republicans were totally unprepared for the overturn of Roe. Okay? The overturn of Roe v. Wade. So at what point? Yeah, I mean, they were. That's that's what happened. They got what they wanted. Be careful what you wish for. You got it. And it's like I said, the last, part, last, the last podcast, I went through the whole thing. They've got to be prepared and deal with this. Okay, and I don't think it's something that's out of reach. I think it's not nothing. It's not going to be easy. They have to have a PR campaign that lets people know. They just want rules and regulations. That how many weeks beforehand? We, you know, after which it's it's inappropriate. Is it 15? Is it 20? It certainly. You want to tell people you don't want late-term abortion. You don't want an abortion in the ninth month. You just don't want that, or the eighth month. At what point? So come up with whatever. Let's talk about it. Let's make this a national effort to come to some agreement. That's where you compromise. After 50 years, you don't compromise overnight. Say, okay, okay, okay. Let's just, okay, let's agree that we'll, I'll, I'll give up this. No, 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 no. But 50 years of fighting. It's a, it's, that's where you come to agreements. That's where you come to what they call compromise. You do something that both sides can live with. And are they uncomfortable? Well, I, I, a little bit. But th that's, that's what leaders do. They, they, they lead us to those places. So at what point, at what point do we, the people, take responsibility for all this? 2016 was seven years ago. Have we seen how things have been compromised? It's clearly not just the politicians who are responsible for policy or for our failures, our success. It's the leaders, the citizen activists, the parents, the unions, the farmers, the teachers, the doctors, the soldiers, the small business owners, and all their networking groups, the clubs, the associations, all the lobbyists. The businesses, quote unquote, and their alliances, the churches, the civil rights organizations, and of course, the media. And that includes magazines and newspapers, TV, movies, yeah, in Hollywood and beyond. The filmmakers all over the place, the writers, the radio shows, the podcasters, the students, the real estate people, the realtors. The truckers, the bikers, veterans. Yeah. Do you think about, uh, as an individual person, you have your vote. That's great. When you get together with your friends, other activists, people that you care about, people you do business with, pe people with whom you do business. Again, the small business owners, the unions, the parents, and going to the, you know, going to the schools and demanding better for their kids, the farmers, the teachers, all of these these are groups that we're part of. We're all part of. And, 
you know, then, then I, I named all the groups. I don't know who the who have I left out. Well, let's think about it. I'm sure there's plenty. How about all the 501c3 charity organizations, right? You know, the animal activists, the feminist rights groups, the pilot organizations, race car fans. I mean, we all have influence on American policy. We all do. We have a lot. Think about the influence you have, whatever your job is. Are you a mechanic? Are you are you a member? Are you are you a, a person in in a sales team? Car sales, home sales, bike sales, whatever. You know what? What groups do you belong to? If you don't belong to sales, quote unquote, do you belong to Rotary clubs, Lions clubs, these clubs, that clubs, other clubs, motorcycle clubs? For crying out loud, you know what? What groups are you part of? Because that's what lobbying is all about. I always talk about the the MRF, the Motorcycle Riders Foundation in Washington D.C., made up of all the motorcycle rights groups, the MROs, motorcycle rights organizations from every state and every organization. And the MRF of Washington D.C. represents all of those groups. They lobby. They represent motorcycle issues. Are there others? Yeah, the AMA and the. From different perspectives, and that's the groups that we are part. We're all part of these groups. We all have a voice, and we should be grateful for all of that because that's what freedom looks like. It's a mess, a chaotic, a chaotic mix, a chaotic mix of people for whom the government works. That's what it is, and that's how the government. They, you know. We could yell and scream individually. You work for me, but you do that by belonging to groups that are big enough to get their attention, a loud enough voice that these politicians can hear. So if you're a biker, yeah, it's you individuals, and then you and your, some of your friends. Then you belong to a club. Then you join a bait. Then you, jo- I mean, and then a, that, that a bait is part of the MRF, and then you and then you're represented. Not. You know, your 20 friends or your, you know, 100, 200,000 member club, millions that the MRF represents. But you, you're part of something. We're all part of something. Or we should be. And that's what freedom is. You, you just got to be loud. As an individual, you can also, you know, sending letters, making calls, sending, sending, you know, whatever, voicemails or yeah, whatever it's <laughs> called, emails. That's the word. That's what I was looking for. We, are, but we, we all make that little bit of difference, like no other country on earth, because we have a constitution that guarantees us freedom of speech, the right to redress. That's protesting. The right to redress. That the government does something, passes a law, we got a right to question it. We got a right to change it. That's what we have. That's our constitution. Free speech. Let's get out there and understand it. Let's define it. Free speech isn't saying thank you or please. Free speech is saying things they don't want to hear. And I'm sorry, but that to me, that includes hate speech. I hear it all the time. I'm a Jew. I always hear how much people hate Jews. I hear it all the time. I hear from Congress, you know, Elon Omar and a little cabal of friends over there. They call themselves whatever the group or the, the <laughs> yeah, I mean, whatever they want to call themselves. They're all a bunch of anti-Semite communist scumbags. Now, I can say that because it's America and I, it's free speech. And they have the right to say, and not only do they have the right, maybe they have the obligation. And I want to hear it. I want to know what they're thinking. I want it. I don't want somebody that, you know, look me in the eyeball and hey, Mike, how you doing, man? Oh, that's great. You're the best. I'm a, and then he turns around, walks away and says, that Jew bastard. I hate his guts. <laughs> say it to my face. Say it out loud. That's the way it is. This is America. We're, we're famous for that. We're known for that. There's nothing wrong with that. Why are we listening to people who are making it sound like there's something wrong? with You know, hate speech isn't always... People people say things. They don't say, I hate 
Jews. I hate black people. I hate brown people. <laughs> they don't say it that way. They say things, and then people say, oh, that's, you know, you can't tolerate that. That's wrong. <laughs> yeah, edit that. <laughs> so they they say something that other people take as hate speech. How do you define hate speech? It doesn't matter because there's no such thing. Now, if if you are, um, you know, pr promoting people to rise up and damage other people, that's hate speech. But Farrakhan, Louis Farrakhan, does that all the time. He gets away with it. Why? You know, we have certain rights. Again, the right to free speech, redress, the right to bear arms. By the way, that cannot be infringed. It's us, the people. Not the politicians who determine our fate, and we have to exercise these rights or we lose them. It's up to us. These rights, by the way, are the envy of the world that most Americans take for granted. Look at the rioting. The rioting in Iran, China, and all these other countries around the world. I mean, in France, they're burning down France. In England, all these great, you know, wonderful European countries. They're so great, so wonderful. Yeah, they are, but they also have people who are so in discontent is all over. Even in America, where, where we have the right to be discontent. And we can protest, and we have the right to look at Congress and say, take that back. <laughs> so look at all that. And by the way, Think about the millions risking their lives and enduring horrible, terrible hardships to walk across the United States southern border. Okay? Think about what these people are going through. And all they are, they, they are just, they, they're the camouflage. They're the, that's the beard, you know, the beard, the, the disguise. Because with them comes... The terrorists sneaking in, the criminals sneaking in, the rapists, the, 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 the human traffickers, these hordes of people coming up from all over the world, 160 or 70 different countries. It's not just Mexico, Guatemala, you know, Brazil, Cuba. It's, it's, it's from all over the world. And th th their function is to hide the drugs, to hide the crime. And, and they all come in. But think about them, the, these poor people risking their lives, taking their last dollar, peso, whatever, and, you know, buying their way through paying off coyotes. That's what they're doing. Think about that. What? To get to the United States? Where we, to come here with nothing. When we've been here for these generations, because our grandparents came here with nothing. Just remember when the protesters in Hong Kong were holding the American flag and singing our national anthem? The freedoms that we have and don't appreciate are freedoms that millions risk their lives for. And I'm telling you, our ancestors, my grandparents. And why aren't we? Why isn't our president standing in solidarity with the Chinese? All right. The Chinese are rising up. I mean, they're not at... Tiananmen Square level yet, but they could be. They 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 need to know we're behind them. Where is the where is you know where is the voice of the American people? That's that would be the president. Yeah, I don't know what role I think that Donald Trump should be playing in that regard. I really don't. I don't know what the you know the morality is. I don't know the legality is. I I don't know a lot about that. But my gut tells me he should be commenting every day that's that's what i would be doing if i was you know if i was donald trump i'd be talking about what's going on in iran we're not talking about it we're not supporting the iranian people we mean remember the green revolt in, in iran under under obama i mean you know we've been saying what why aren't we criticizing in real time what biden is not doing as well as what he is doing and he hasn't got caught yet but he's going to be but why, why aren't we criticizing in real time and louder? Why, where are the Democrats? Why don't they look at their own and say, yeah, you're right. This is what freedom looks like. I mean, 
Do you do you remember? Do you remember Ronald Reagan standing up and saying, Mr. Gorbachev, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall? Or JFK? JFK, when he was in Berlin saying, where all Berlin is now. Of course, he said it in German. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, this thing's going on all around the world. And I, I, I don't. I don't see the leadership here, certainly not from Biden. So maybe it's time that who's ever going to be the next president. And I, I'm, I'm a, a Trump fan. I want him to be the next president. I think he's capable because of what he did when he was president. No, I, 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 I'm not a, you know, I'm not going to condone, you know, how he handled losing the election. I agree it was stolen. I was there on January 6th. I went to the protest. But you got to know when to draw that line. When to say, okay, listen, you still lead. You don't lead from the back. You lead from the front. You always lead from the front. And that's what he should have been doing. And he did, but he did it wrong. He took us in the wrong direction. It was stolen. They stole it from me. They took it away. It was a bad call. It was Okay, you could say that. But there's other ways. It's like, okay, this is what you got. Let's see what they do with it. And by the way, that was stolen. That was wrong. You know, ballot harvesting and all the other things they did. But that's okay. We're going to come back. We're going to regroup. We're going to figure this one out and we're going to get back in there. But if he does a great job, well, that's great. We'll be behind him. And, and you know, all the 81 million, 75 Talk about, you could talk about those things in civil tones. Not the way he did it. There were ways to do it as a leader. And maybe he's regrouping and doing that now. And that would be great. I want to hear about what's going on in the world. I want I want the people in the world to hear from us. They're not. That's something we need to have. And at what point does, you know, the, the former president or someone running for president cross a line? I want Trump's toes to be on that line, talking about Iran, talking about China, talk about the Chinese people, talk about freedom, talk about talk about oil, talk about energy. Talk about what's going on. I want to hear it every day because we don't have leadership. And oh, by the way, Trump meets Ye, right? Ye, Ye, Kanye, Ye. Okay, I'll call it Ye. Ye. Trump meets Ye and Biden meets she. Right. Yeah. So what are we hearing? Oh, you met uh, whatever plus Ye. <laughs> this is so stupid. Ye brings in some anti, some famous anti-Semite whose name I don't even know. And I never heard of before he was on this news cycle, having brought him to Mar-a-Lago to meet. So they sat down and met. Are you, are you, are you kidding me? Who doesn't sit down with the opposition, the other side? Who doesn't sit down with bad guys? Now, he's not the president. When he brought Ye, 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 to the White House... When he was president, everybody saluted him because, oh, it was great. They liked Ye then. Now they don't like him anymore because, as Dave Chappelle said, he said those two words you should never say together. The Jews. <laughs> Come on, will you? So he met with Kanye West, but it wasn't in the West Wing. <laughs> it was a Mar-a-Lago, for Christ's sakes. He's not allowed to do that. That's what he did. And the other guy, whatever his name was, the Jew hater. <laughs> Join the millions of others. Again, I'll say this for the millionth time. I think two-thirds of the hate crimes, quote-unquote hate crimes, whatever they are, in America, are hate crimes against Jews. So deal with it. <laughs> Kanye West comes in, meets with Trump. They're all friends. Trump, perfect explanation. He was trying to help a guy who's down on his, you know, he's, he's going through some stuff. It's, 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 but Biden can meet with she and kiss his ass and kiss his ring and not bring up, you know, the, the, the human rights, not civil rights, human rights. The difference is civil rights means the rights of people are being stepped on. Human rights means the people are being stepped on. Literally maimed, killed, destroyed. <laughs> human rights. You don't bring it up. You don't bring up the COVID, you know, where it started, how it got here, the the Wuhan experience. He didn't bring up anything. He didn't bring up what China's doing, stealing 
stealing us blind. He doesn't bring up a thing. But, oh, he could meet with Xi. You don't hear anything from the news media. But Trump meets with Kanye West. What a joke. Kanye West. Oh, my God, he's a threat to America. He's black. I thought you liked black people. Well, no, I'm not stupid. I know you don't care if he's black. As long as he's as long as he's liberal, as long as he's one of you people. And that's the other thing. You know, whether it's the Supreme Court justice, you know, there's not there's not racism in America against black people because you're not going to call it out if the black person is a conservative. You don't care what anybody says about a conservative. You you agree with that. The left wing is that there, there, there is no racism in America. It's politicism. <laughs> if you don't like our politics, you don't like us. You hate us. You, that's what the, we need a new name for what racism really is. But you know what? I'm going to get into that at the next podcast because I think that's something that we need to really explore. What is all this stuff about, you know, black people being... Uh, uh, disconnected, discontent. Uh, they, 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 they want to be. I, I don't know what. What's the word now? You know, included. No, it's not included. It, there's a new word. Whatever that word is, that's what they want. <laughs> they want parody. They want. I don't know. They want. It's not black people. It's liberal people. You don't care what the color of a person's skin is. Let's unravel the truth here. Clarence Thomas. Is the first, is he the first? No, he's not. He's just a black, you know, Supreme Court justice. That's all. But you don't care that he's black. You know, you're not proud of that. You're not saying, yeah, he's a black man on the Supreme Court. That's great. No. Why? Because he's conservative. So you hate him. You're trying to get rid of him. You talk about his wife, Jenny. Like, oh, because she supports Trump. Doesn't matter that Clarence Thomas is black. You know what? That That's, we're going to have to talk more about that. We're going to talk more about real leadership in America and where we're going and this bullshit racism in America doesn't exist. It really doesn't. We're a melting pot. And sometimes there's consequences. (laughs) I'm New York Mike. This is rolling with New York Mike. Not talking about much about rolling in this podcast, but we will. We're going to get back on the road pretty soon. So thanks for listening. Thanks for being there. Appreciate you subscribing so much. And uh, we'll be back. Meanwhile, I'm out. Thanks for listening to Rolling with New York Mike. Listen, follow, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts to keep this podcast rolling.